A couple of weeks ago, I told you about the dum dum sucker incident when I was a boy. My mother insisted that I had to restore to the store owners the suckers that I had taken too many of. But I want to tell you the rest of that story. One boy in that group eventually went to prison as an adult, and he messed up his life and deeply hurt other people. And I've often wondered, as I thought back upon that incident, how could things have been different in his life had he learned what my mother was trying to teach me? And what was she trying to teach me in that incident as a small boy? Well, let me share it with you in the words of the theologian Augustus Strong. He put it very simply, little things are the best signs of character. Little things are the best signs of character. That's what my mother was trying to teach me. If I would be honest in a little thing like suckers, it would make such a great difference in being honest in big things. But if I would not be honest in a small thing like taking too many suckers, it would be very easy to not be honest in big things that could send me to prison. That's what my mom knew. And she was not a theologian like Augustus Strong. Not at all. And so we have to ask the question, how is it that she knew what a great theologian knew? And there's really one answer. And that answer is this. My mom feared the Lord. That was it. And she wanted her son to fear the Lord as well. Now this morning we are coming back to the final verse in the prologue of the book of Proverbs. And we are bringing one of the most important messages that we could bring in this book. It is simply entitled, The Fear of God, and it comes from Proverbs 1.7. And if we are wise, there is one thing that we will want for ourselves and for those that we love above all else, and that is to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord. Listen to what Solomon says as he brings us to a close of the opening prologue in Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7, he says to us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now in this message this morning, I want to do two things. And the first thing I want us to do is to see that the fear of the Lord is the key to Christian living. The fear of the Lord is the central key to Christian living. Now, I would not have said that before this study. If you had asked me that question a few months ago, I'm not sure what I would have said to you, but I don't think I would have said this, that the fear of the Lord is the key to Christian living. But after this study, I feel compelled to say it in that way. And let me share with you several details here in the text that bring me to that conclusion. First of all, when Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the word beginning there refers to the first step in a course of action, or the foundation upon which all else rests. And we all know a foundation is not something that you move away from, but you keep coming back to it time and time again. 
If your house moved off of your foundation, what would happen? Well, it would obviously eventually collapse. And so if we move away from the fear of the Lord, our Christian life also will eventually collapse. Proverbs 14.27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord, says Solomon in Proverbs 14.27, is a fountain of life. Jeremiah, in his prophecy, uses that word fountain to refer to a fountain of living waters. Isn't that interesting? Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said, if you asked me, I would give you living waters. We all know that a fountain nourishes and sustains life. So the fear of the Lord that is the key to receiving living waters also nourishes and sustains the Christian life. The second detail in this text that shows us the fear of the Lord is the key to Christian living is three words back in verse 2 are repeated for us at the end of the prologue in verse 7. If you look back at verse 2, you will notice these three words, know, wisdom, and instruction. And then as Solomon concludes the prologue in verse 7, you see the same three words again, knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. Now we remember from verse 2 that those three words are the keys to clear thinking, that will lead to skillful living so that we can produce a life of value. Knowledge, wisdom, and instruction are the keys to clear thinking so that we can live skillfully and produce a life of lasting value. So notice then what this tells us. The fear of the Lord is the key to all the other keys, and those keys, wisdom, knowledge, and instruction, depend upon the fear of the Lord. All of us know what a master key is. A master key is that key that opens every door in the home. And if you have the master key, you can get into every room in the house. And it's the same spiritually. The fear of the Lord is that master key that will open up every door in the spiritual house that God wants us to build as we live for him. And then there's a third detail in this text that also shows us that the fear of the Lord is the key to Christian living. And that is Proverbs 1-7 is the theme verse of the whole book of Proverbs. In fact, some Bible teachers would say the fear of the Lord is the theme, the key to all the wisdom books. You may know that the wisdom books in the Old Testament are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. And some Bible students would say this key theme here to the book of Proverbs is the key theme to all of the wisdom books. Now, it's very interesting when we look at this precise phrase, the fear of the Lord, we find it 22 times in the Old Testament. Now, let me ask you this question. Guess which book contains the majority of the uses? I think you know the answer. It is Proverbs. Proverbs. 
Of those 22 times the fear of the Lord occurs in the entire Old Testament, 14 of them are in Proverbs. And then when you add the command, fear the Lord, it is 19 times in Proverbs. So think about this. 19 times in 31 chapters, that is two-thirds of the entire book. Over and over and over again, we read the fear of the Lord or fear the Lord. It is the theme. It is the key to the whole book. Now, most of us are aware this morning that it is very likely that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He doesn't identify himself. He calls himself the preacher. But we think it was Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes. That is a very enigmatic book. It is a hard book to understand if you've ever studied it. But after 12 chapters, at the very end, Solomon says, here is the bottom line. It is found in verse 3, 13. Listen to what he says. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. That is the bottom line of the entire Christian life. Fear God, for this is the duty of all mankind. Pastor Ray Ortland has a wonderful series of sermons on the book of Proverbs, and he has a wonderful sermon on this text. And I want you to listen to what Pastor Ortland has to say. This wonderful fear of the Lord is where we begin our journey into wisdom. It is how we keep making progress all the way. It opens our eyes and it keeps them open. We often love to sing this wonderful chorus. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. It is the fear of the Lord that opens the eyes of our hearts and keeps our eyes in our hearts open so that we can see the Lord. It is the key to all Christian living. Well, now that leads me then to the second thing that I want to do in this message. If indeed the fear of the Lord is the key to Christian living, then the next thing we would obviously want to do is ask this question. What is the fear of the Lord? Certainly we will want to know if that's the key to our Christian life. And as we look at this question, we can look at it in three ways. We can see its essence. We can see our entrance into it. And we can see, thirdly, its expression in our lives. As we study the fear of the Lord, we can see its essence, our entrance into it, and its expression in our lives. Now this morning, let's look at its essence, and then next week we will look at our entrance into it and its expression in our lives. What is the essence of the fear of the Lord? Well, here's what I believe the Bible teaches us. The essence of the fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of him. The essence 
of the fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of him. Does that describe you? Wherever you may be this morning as you are listening, would you describe yourself as someone who stands in awe of the Lord? Now, this understanding of the fear of the Lord can be illustrated for us in the life of Solomon himself. Early in his reign as king, he had an incident that occurred in which he demonstrated marvelous wisdom. That incident is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, and I would invite you to turn there with me because as we come to the summary of this incident, we see what the fear of the Lord truly is. Now, this incident starts at verse 16 in 1 Kings chapter 3, and let me just summarize it for you before we read together the summary conclusion at the end of the chapter. Here's what happened in Solomon's early reign. Two disreputable women were living in the same house, and they both had babies. One of those babies died in the middle of the night, and the mother of that baby, unawares, switched it with the living baby of the other mother. So when she awakened in the morning, she discovered her baby was dead. And the closer she looked, she realized, this isn't my baby. My baby is a living baby. But the first woman lied. She said, no, your baby is the dead baby. My baby is the living baby. And so they both appealed to King Solomon. Now, obviously, he had no evidence whose baby belonged to whom. So you remember what he did? He said in the presence of those two mothers, bring a sword, cut the baby in two, and give half to each mother. Now the jealous mother thought this way, if I can't have my child, you shouldn't have your child either. Isn't that what jealousy does? Jealousy is that way. But the real mother, she said, don't kill that child. Give it to the other woman. At least the baby will be alive, she thought. Solomon immediately knew the real mother. He knew the real mother would spare that baby no matter what the cost would be to herself. Solomon had tricked the false jealous mother into revealing the identity of the real mother. Now listen to verse 28 and the summary of the incident. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. There in that text is our word fear. It literally reads, they were in fear of the king and clearly here it means to stand in awe of. So the fear of the Lord then is to be in awe of God. It is to be in awe of God. Many years ago, 
I heard a pastor who used some very simple hand motions to help us understand as a Christian what it means to fear the Lord. I never forgot those motions because they are the most vivid way for me to understand in my life what it means for me to fear the Lord. And here's what this pastor said. He said, the fear of the Lord is not ah. The fear of the Lord is not ah cringing before God. Instead, he said, the fear of the Lord is awe. The fear of the Lord is awe. It is awing the Lord and adoring him in wonder. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Now, I want to just add this for just a moment. If you are a non-believer, and Jesus Christ is not your Savior and your Lord, then the fear of the Lord for you should be, ah, because of the judgment of God. You should cringe before the judgment of God. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 5. He said, fear the one who can cast both body and soul into hell. That is the one that you ought to fear. And if you are a non-believer and Jesus is not your Savior and Lord, then you should be in dread of the judgment of God because you do not know personally the Savior that he sent. But if you are a believer, your judgment has fallen on Jesus and therefore your dread is removed. How interesting, just two verses later in Luke 12, 7, Jesus said, fear not, fear not. You see, instead of fear of the Lord as believers saying, ah, our fear is awe. Our fear is awe. Moses, in Deuteronomy 10, 17, gave us a wonderful description of what this is. Listen to what he says. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. That's the fear of the Lord. He is God of gods, Lord of lords. He is great. He is mighty. And because he is, we stand in awe of him. We fear him by being in wonder of him. Do you remember in Mark chapter 4, when the disciples were in a very great storm, and Jesus was asleep in the boat. The Bible tells us the storm was so great that these experienced fishermen were afraid of perishing by drowning. And you know how terrifying it is if you are on the open sea and you are afraid of going under. So they awoke Jesus. The sea was raging. The wind was roaring. The Bible says he spoke two words, peace, still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. As great as the storm was, so now as great was the calm. And Mark 4, 41 says this, 
And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now when the Bible says the disciples were filled with great fear, were they in dread of Jesus? That he would harm them somehow? Well, of course not. Absolutely not. He had just saved them from drowning. They were not afraid of what he would do to them. The word fear there means astonishment. It means amazement. They were awestruck of him. And their question, who is this, revealed they wanted to learn more about Jesus. Their awe drew them to him. May I ask you a question? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been filled with wonder, amazement, and astonishment at God? Have you said to yourself, I must learn more about this God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ? He has captured my heart. I must follow him. I must get to know him. He is awesome. That is the fear of God. And when that happens to you, you are on your journey with God. Just recently, a young woman told me about how that happened to her. It coincided with the day of her conversion, and she has been on her journey with God ever since. You see, the fear of the Lord, it is to stand in awe of Him. And it is the key, the master key to all Christian living. And when it has happened to us, it will open our eyes, it will keep our eyes open, and we will see Him. Let's thank the Lord, shall we? Let's bow in his presence this morning and ask him to burn this truth deep in our hearts. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me? Just before I lead us in prayer, perhaps there is somebody who is listening to this message who is not sure that you have come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have never been in awe of God in this way, where you have said to yourself, I have to get to know this God. I must learn about him as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. I want to get to know him. He is awesome. If that has never happened in your life, we as a church exist to help you to come to that place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
And if the Lord is working in your heart, showing himself to you, opening your eyes, bringing you to that place where you are in awe and amazement and wonder of who he is, he may very well be drawing you to Jesus Christ. And this very day, you can repent of your sins. You can turn from your own way. You can cast yourself at the foot of the cross for the mercy of the Savior who loved you, came for you, died for you, and rose again that you might come to know the Lord and live for him and experience his wonderful grace in your life. Why don't you do that now? Wherever you may be at, seated in your home, listening to the message this day, turn to him in repentance and faith and trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and your life will be transformed anew, and you will never be the same. And as you continue in the fear of the Lord, you will indeed be on your journey with God. Father, today, thank you for the blessing of your word. Thank you that it is always relevant to where we are. Thank you that it shows to us a great and wonderful God that we can know personally, stand in awe of, and walk in fellowship with. How we thank you for meeting us through the truth of your gracious word. We pray these things now for Jesus' wonderful sake. Amen.